Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. Honeymoon for a couple of weeks and then suddenly you felt some pressure. And you knew it wasn't the devil, this was a different kind of pressure. It was the Lord trying to bring you into his image. Now, we're creatures of habit. We don't like to change. We get angry when somebody tries to change us, don't we? Even God. But in his word, particularly the writings of Jesus, somebody, somebody told me once, whenever you're studying the Bible, always keep your finger in the Gospels. Why? Because what would Jesus have to say about it? Amen? It's very important. Now, Jesus wasn't like anybody that we ever imagined. Even the Jews of his day thought that whenever the Messiah would come, he was going to be a warrior. And he was going to get rid of all these other countries that had constantly uh, overtaken Israel and were was squeezing the, their taxes out of them, even more than their taxes. But when Jesus came, he came as a lamb. He did things just the opposite of what you would do. When I was growing up, as I got up into elementary and then junior high, started noticing what bullies, how many of you had an encounter with a bully in your life? I went home to my dad and I said, what do I do about these bullies? And he said, slap them in the head. That was his advice. What would Jesus say? If he hit you on this side, turn your face and let him hit you on the other side. Now that, that doesn't make any sense. You're telling me, Jesus, you want me to let someone hurt me? Here's the problem. You don't know the power of the philosophy of Jesus Christ. When somebody's a bully, why are they a bully? It's not just because they get a kick out of it. It's lots of fun. It's because something happened in their past. They were probably bullied. And then they got a little older and a little bigger, and they thought, well, I was bullied. I think I'll do some bullying of my own. But Jesus said there's a better way. When you try to reach out to somebody like a bully and do it Jesus' way, then you'll find yourself reaching out to them in love. Doesn't make any sense, does it? Let's look at the Scripture. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. 
That is an Old Testament scripture, is it not? But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other side also. And if any man will sue you at the law and take away your coat, let him have your cloak also. Now get, I want you to get this in your mind. Why is he teaching this stuff? Why isn't he telling me what my dad told me? Somebody's abusing you, slap them. Cuss them, stomp their feet, do whatever you got to do. Jesus is saying if somebody's abusing you, let them abuse you more. This was culminated in the life of Jesus through, throughout his whole ministry, but it was culminated at the end when he was on the cross. They had just beaten him without mercy. That was your beating. They stripped pieces of flesh off of his back, chunks of his flesh, pieces of his skin stripped right off. They took a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and then they took a, a board and started slapping down on it so those thorns would penetrate his skull. They nailed his feet and his hands to the cross. He was a mess. Bleeding from seven different wounds on his body. And, and as he was on the cross and just about to give his life for you and me, he did the strangest thing. See, you and I would have been like the two thieves, one on either side of him. We would have cursed him. One of, them, one of the thieves said, hey, if you're really the Messiah, well, take yourself down from that cross and get us down too. What did Jesus say? He looked up into the sky and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now, I know of one person who followed Jesus that took that to heart. The very first Christian martyr, Stephen. After Jesus was gone, a, a mob saw Jesus in the crowd and they, they grabbed him. They took him up on the pinnacle of the temple. I've been there. It's still there. And they threw him off and he landed in a quarry, a rock quarry. He wasn't quite dead. So the mob, in a frenzy, said, let's run down, we'll finish him off down there. And they went down there and they put their coats in Paul's hands. He held their coats so they could throw rocks better. They began to throw rocks at Stephen. He said the same thing his master said. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. By the way, People that abuse you like that, they're not getting away with anything. There'll be a day of reckoning. But that's not for you to worry about. That's God's business. God wants you to get your heart right. I know that in my almost 50 years of serving the Lord, there have been times when I put this principle into practice. I was uh, singing, I was a singer at a full gospel businessman 
regional convention in Phoenix. People from all over the world there. The man who was the head of, uh, of that region, his wife didn't like me at all. Found out later is because she, she thought I had said something bad about her son, which I, I don't think I did. But anyway, it didn't matter. Anytime I saw them together, I'd go over to their table and say, hey, you know, how are you doing? She'd get up and leave. And it was hurtful. The Bible says, if my brother offends me, what? I have to go to him. See, that's another one of those backward teachings. You, the way you think is, if my brother offends me, he should come over to my house, get out of his car, and get on his stomach on my sidewalk and crawl like a snake, the snake that he is, down to my front door and pound on the door till I get there and then cry and beg me to forgive him. <coughs> no, no, no. God says, if my further brother offends me, I have to go to him. This lady was one of about six or eight people that, how many of you know you know when somebody don't like you? <laughs> they don't have to tell you you know. So I had about a list of about eight people, and some, some of them the Lord said, I want you to write a letter to those. I want you to go see that one in person. And so I wrote a letter to this lady. And I didn't make any excuses. I didn't say, uh, it's come to my attention, you think I did something. I, I didn't do it. No, I just I took the blame. I told her in the letter, I said, I want you to know that, that I have offended you deeply and I am so grieved I can't even bear to be myself. Please, I beg you to forgive me. Now, I didn't, I didn't get an answer. But at that regional convention, one night after the thing was over, we met at the top of the hotel in a big suite. And we had old food everywhere, and, and it was for the, the cast, the, the people that were involved in the ministering. And I, was over, I had a plate, and I was over there, and suddenly I felt someone brush my shoulder, and it was her. Now, listen, some people that you get involved with that are offended, they're too immature to know what to do or how to act. This lady was old enough to be my mother. She, she, she brushed my arm and I looked at her and she, she turned and looked at me and she, she said, there was, a, there was a, a singer back then, a Christian singer, his name was John Hall. How many of you remember him? One of the greatest singers ever. She looked up at me, tears in her eyes, and she said, you sing better than John Hall. And then, that's what she said. And then she ran off to the other side of the room and didn't look at me again. That's all she could do. But you know what? In that statement was, I forgive you. I love you. And also in that statement was, would you forgive me? for harboring evil against you. Do you see the power in that? So you got some in this church that you think has offended you? Practice it Jesus' way and see what happens. Now some of you, if you can't do that, then you're pretty immature yourself. 
Those other seven people or so wrote letters, some I went to, almost, I think almost all of them responded to me and they, in a positive way. And you know what I gained from that? I gained some friends. A couple of them became some of the closest friends I have. Why? Because I lowered myself. I didn't allow my pride to, to get up there and say, well, who do you think you are? I mean, I'm in the ministry. You're nothing. You're a nobody. That's who God calls. Nothings and nobodies. From the very almost first moment after receiving Christ, a week or so went by, and he started dealing with me. Remember I told you the vision of the toilet paper roll? He said, he said John, we're going to deal with you, your flesh, because I want to turn you into my image. I said, well, what, what's wrong with me? I don't, what are you talking about? And I saw a hand appear and this, threw this roll of toilet paper and it started rolling. I noticed it was written on both sides. And it rolled and it rolled and it rolled and it rolled and it rolled. I said, well, Lord, what is that? He said, that's all the things that are wrong with you. That's what he said. And I said, with tears in my eyes, I said, Lord, how long is it going to take to deal with that? And you know what he said to me? All of your life. And I wish I could stand before you today and tell you that I've dealt with all the things on that toilet paper, but I haven't. There's some left. Somebody asked me once, what am I called to do? Well, I've, been, I've had several callings. I started out as an evangelist and became a pastor. But my speaking calling is I'm a teacher. I'm not a, a highfalutin uh, preacher swinging across the room on a rope, screaming, yelling, hollering. I don't have anything against any of that. That's just not who I am. I'm a teacher. My calling, if, I, if I'm going to obey God, it's been in, impulsed upon me to teach you what? To teach you what Jesus taught us. Nobody could figure him out. Nobody. He didn't have to show himself to begin with, but he certainly didn't have to stay there. He could have disappeared into the mountains and gone to another country and preserved his own life, but he refused to do that. He knew what was coming. He knew that he was born to die. The night before his death in the Garden of Gethsemane, he told his disciples, can you stay here and pray for me for a while? I want to go over here and pray. And that's what he did. And he was in, he was in such turmoil. He, you know, he was sweating, not, not uh, liquid like water. He was sweating blood. You know why? Because he knew that his God, his Father, was requiring him to die for not just me, everybody. And the Bible says, he that knew no sin became sin. 
What does that mean? It means at that moment on that cross, he took your sin and your sin and your sin and my sin, and he claimed them as his own. He said to his father, Lord, don't, take, don't, don't charge him or her with that. Put that on my account. I don't believe it. He was pure and holy. He was clean. I can't wait to see him. How about you? I want to I wanna go up to him and thank him. I really do. He's your God. He loves you more than you will ever know. Look at verse 41. And whosoever shall compel you to go a mile, go with him too. Give to him that asks you, and from him that would borrow from you, turn not, your, uh, turn not away. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy, thine enemy. But I say unto you, love, now here it is, look at it, love your enemies, bless them, <coughs> excuse me, that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That is the hardest thing you'll ever have to do in your life. Pray for people who are abusing you and persecuting you and coming against you <clears throat> and trying to kill you and trying to kill your kids and trying to kill your wife or your husband. That's the hardest thing you'll ever have to do is rise up and love those that are doing that to you. And in the process of that, listen to me, a spiritual miracle takes place. The Spirit of the living God comes down on not you, on your enemy and invades their heart. And they come under what we call conviction. Some of them aren't even saved and they, they still come under conviction. Every human, even the ones that aren't saved, have a little bit of conviction in their, in their heart. We all basically know what's right and what's wrong. What I want to know is why do we ignore that? Why do we ignore? We know it's not right to, to uh, go to somebody that's weaker than we are and slap them around and treat them like dirt. We know that's wrong. Why do we do it? I'm going to tell you a secret. If man, in general, had gotten a hold of this teaching of Jesus in the very beginning, we wouldn't have had any wars. You know, I was watching a special last night on World War II. Did you know that when that war was over, they counted up how many Jews died, how many Germans died, how many Americans died, how many Italians died, French. And here's the number they came up with. During World War II, over 40 million people died. One million Jewish children died. For what? You know, they show pictures of Hitler 
in the in the beginning, you know, everybody loved him. Heil Hitler, hi, yeah, and all this bullying. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, wow, what's going on? And what's he trying to do? You know, uh, Germany had their problems just like every other country, but he thinks, he was thinking that in order to make it better for everybody, that's not really what he was thinking. He was thinking, I want to be the dictator of the world. That's what he was thinking. But if I take over all of the countries of the world and I become the world dictator, just like the Antichrist, I'll be great. And I'm going to institute what he called the thousand-year reign. Now, there is coming a thousand-year reign. You know that, don't you? It's called the millennial reign, and Jesus is going to be in charge. Oh, happy day. But listen, listen to me. You've got to get this principle in your life. Some of you are older than others. It took me a long time. And sometimes I still uh, fail at it. Somebody says something stupid to me and I, something rises up in me and I, I get angry, and, but I have learned to quench it. A guy came to my office one day and he said, my wife and I are leaving because we got offended. I said, I said, listen, man, I get, it, I get offended four or five times a day in this church. And you got offended once and you're leaving? Bye. I didn't say that. I wanted to, but I didn't. I think... I think most of you in here are pretty much doing the best you can, but there's one thing missing. Get a hold of who Jesus was and become like him. Can you do that? I've told you stories, and I hate to repeat them, but uh, some of the people I knew didn't didn't like me. Uh, God made it available for me to minister to them in their last days of life. A mayor of Carlsbad who didn't like me and he didn't like my father, uh, he got cancer. And I was up on the second floor of the hospital. And that's when they used to put your name, a name tag on the door. And I was walking to go to my car and I looked over at the door and it said his name on there. Now I knew how this guy felt about me and the Lord's over here going, Go in there. Go in there. Now you come to a fight between your flesh and your spirit. I went to the door. I turned the knob. I opened the door, and there he was in bed, and he was on the telephone. And you know what he did? I'll call you back. Click. He waved to me. I said, is there anything I can do for you? He said, yeah, would you pray for me? He knew I was a Christian. He knew I was in the ministry. Would you, would you pray for me? A man who hated me, will you pray for me? Now, when I look back at those days and the times that he hated me, I don't have much of a, a, a tendency to remember the things he did to me that were hurtful. I remember the day in the hospital when he went like that. The day he died, I had been out of the country for three weeks. When I got back, I drove over to his house. There were three or four dozen, I'm talking dozen cars around his house. 
I got out of the, my car, went up and knocked on the door, and his wife answered, and she began to weep. Where have you been? We've been trying to find you. He's really bad. He doesn't even know who I am. He's going to die probably today. I said, well, take me to him. So she took me in the house, went to their bedroom, opened the door, and here's all these people, almost like vultures. All these people were standing around, and here he was in bed. Now, he doesn't even know who his wife is, but when I walked in the door, you know what he did? I walked over there, and I knelt down. I said, yes, sir, what can I do? He said, and he was, he, if he weighed 60 pounds, I'd be amazed. He was like a stick. He said, can you pray for me? In one of those prayers, either at the hospital or at his home, I prayed for him to receive Christ, and he did. That was about 3 in the afternoon. That night at 7 o'clock, he died. My best friend, the guy that I named John Wesley after, best friend in my life, his father was an alcoholic. He wasn't a real nice man. In his final days, he was at the hospital here in Carlsbad, and he, he was bad. But every time I'd go up to the hospital, the room would be full of his relatives that had traveled to see him. And on the way to town that day, I said, Lord, if you want me to minister to this guy, you're going to have to help me out. I've got to be alone with him. I walked in the room, and it was empty. He was sitting on the side of his bed, and you know that little food tra table they give you? He had his arm on that table. That was the way he was breathing. There wasn't a person in the room but him. I knew I didn't have much time. All of them had gone down to the lunchroom in the hospital to eat lunch. I went over to his bed and I sat down beside him. And I said, you've never gone to church. You've never trusted God. Don't you think it's time? Yeah, I do. Would you pray for me? I prayed and he prayed after me and he asked Jesus, to forgive him. He was a bad person. Bad. How many of you think it's... Is God powerful enough to save somebody like that? And I put my arm around him and led him in sinner's prayer. Seven o'clock, again, I don't know why, seven o'clock that night, he died. They buried him out at the cemetery out there, not, not Carlsbad Cemetery, but that other one. And uh, I, did, I did the service, and uh, a lot of that family was unsaved. I shared that story that I just shared with you with them. I looked around, a lot of them were crying, they were sniffling, they were... I had several of them come talk to me after it was over. One lady, I'll never forget it, she came up and said, I'm so glad you shared that. I hated him. I hated him for 60 years. Every time I saw him, I hated him. But now I can't hate him anymore because he's my brother. 
Do you see the power that is in what Jesus taught? Isn't that better than getting a gun and shooting your enemy or slapping them or, or doing something evil to them? Isn't it really? That man's going to live eternity in heaven. His wife came to our church first time in her whole life. She was there quite a while, wasn't she? She got saved. She died in her 80s. And she died in peace. I went to the hospital just before she died. She said, John, I'm just so at peace. I know that I have the Lord in my heart. Now, in your life, you will be given several opportunities to minister to people. And listen, don't, don't push your way out of that. Draw yourself in. Say, Lord, when I get up every morning, I ask you to show me where I can go and minister to somebody. Somebody that needs the Lord or somebody that needs a healing. I have literally seen God heal people. He does it. He didn't heal everybody I prayed for, but he healed a bunch of them. You know, he healed them from their own past hurts. These people that are hard to love, you know what I'm talking about? They're hard to love and they're nasty and you can't be around them. Before you judge them, stop and think, why are they like this? Most of them have been hurt themselves. A lot, of, a lot of girls have been raped when they were five years old and a lot of times by somebody in their own family. There is a devil, you know, and oh, he's quite busy these days. He knows that the Lord is coming soon. And you know why he's so busy? He doesn't want to go where he's going alone. He wants to take you with him. That's how much he hates God. And how much he hates you. But he'd rather have you with him than, than with God. Thank you, Jesus. Now I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 7 real quick, if you would. Verse 1. Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge so shall you be judged, and with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why behold thou the mote, a mote is a small thing, in your brother's eye, but you consider not the beam that is your, in your own eye? Or how wilt thou say to your brother, let me pull out the mote out of your, own, out of your eye, and behold, there's a beam in your eye. You hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of your own eye, and then shall you see clearly to cast out the mote out of your brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Now, this is talking about people who try to have a ministry, but they've never allowed themselves to be ministered to. Are you guys hear, hearing me? Are you with me? And, and many times those people turn out to be what we call religious spirits. 
You know the ones I'm talking about. They're the people who think they know everything about the Bible. And they, they, a lot of times they'll have a, one of the gifts of the Spirit, and they'll come to you, and they'll, they'll uh, prophesy over you some weird thing. And the Lord wants you to move. Uh, uh, you're going to Russia. You're going to, you're going to leave here and go to Russia, thus saith the Lord. That's why the Bible says, out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, let all things be confirmed. Go to your pastor when you get a word like that. How many of you have had a weird word in your life? Well, I'd be surprised if all of you hadn't. I've been told stuff that would curl your hair. I can usually tell when somebody comes to me who has a right heart because they're soft, they're weepy, they're humble. There's, there's no pride. They want, they want what is best for you. That's right. And they'll do anything to help you get it. Let's pray just a minute, Lou. Father, thank you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, my Lord. While your eyes are closed and you're, you're just sitting there quietly, I want you to just ask Jesus, Jesus, what, what have you called me to do? What do you want me to do? And then I want you to listen. Go ahead and pray that. Above all names, your power is above all power, and your glory, your glory fills this place. Your names above all names, your power is above all power, and your glory. Your glory fills this place. Listen to me carefully right now in the name of Jesus. I impart to someone in this room the gift of healing. I don't know who you are, but God does. And you're, you're feeling something right now. Something that feels like it's glowing inside of your tummy. You're feeling that right now. I impart that to you. In the name of Jesus, there's a couple of others. You have been given the gift of prophecy. Use it wisely, says the Lord. Use it humbly, says God. Use it without pride, says the Lord. There's one of you in here who's been being given right now the gift of miracles. And if you're not humble, you won't survive it. Just always remember that you're nothing and he's everything. 
Always remember that He gets all of the glory. You get none. Always remember that it's not what he think, you think, it's what he thinks that counts. He does it in his time schedule, not yours. He loves you, he loves you desperately. He loves you very much. Your name's above all names. Your power is above all power and your glory your glory fills this place everybody take a deep breath right now i speak healing to everyone in this room if you need to keep your eyes closed if you have a need for a healing in your body lift your hand i want to see who you are you have a need for a healing in your body golly their hands all over the room I speak healing and life to every one of you. Raise your hand. May God bless you. Iris, I speak life and healing to your, to your bones, your blood system, every organ of your body in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Life and healing to every one of you that need that in your life. If you're here and you need a financial miracle, raise your hand. Financial miracle, thank you. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to meet these precious people's needs. And the Lord wants me to remind you, if you give, he'll give to you. You say, well, I don't have anything to give. Well, you have something to give. Even if it's a dime, give it. And God will bless that. If you're here and you've been hurt by somebody in the church, or anybody at all, I want you to lift your hand. I've been hurt, I've been wounded. Come on, let me see your hand. Jesus. I speak life to you, precious life. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Sal, God's going to meet your need, not just your business, but at home. Be soft, just like you have been. And God will meet you halfway. It's coming. Get ready. The Lord's on his way for you. And he's got a blessing for you. Hear me? You hear me? He's got a blessing for you. Father, as we go today, I ask you that you'll be with us. Help us to get a good afternoon of rest. And Lord, we come against this virus. We curse it and cast it out. doesn't belong here. doesn't belong anywhere in this world. We ask you to, to, to cast it into outer space so it will never return. Father, help us. Now they're telling us there are mutations of the virus even worse than the original. Father, we need your help. Thank you, Lord, for hearing this cry of my heart. Be with us now as we go in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Go love on three people before you go. This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. 
your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.